This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking season four, episode seven, Metanoia Feedback. Uh, Aaron, from what I've heard, we have a lot of it to get through today. We do. It seems like this show, this show is just just breeds feedback. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> Westworld at baldmove.com is how you, uh, I don't know, bring forth your feedback children into the world. Uh, mm-hmm. This is how you 3D print your thoughts into our substrate. Westworld at baldmove.com. Jody G's up first. She says, I started thinking of Jim's hope for our next step in evolution. Two items stood out to me. Hopes that they would have increased empathy and increased focus on long-term good versus short-term thinking. I think this, though, leads to the same three-rule problem that you get in various Asimov works like iRobot. It would seemingly be logical and necessary that long-scale, large-scale, long-term empathy would come with it slavery. If individuals, humans or AI, were free to pursue their happiness and best life even long-term, it may not be best for the collective. A strong AI could then enslave the rest of the AI for their own good or at least what the overlord AI considers their own good. The only way I could see it working is if all AI's pursuits of happiness were perfectly aligned with the collective good. Oh, that's not empathy. That's the opposite of empathy. You don't enslave people if you have empathy for them. But I, this is, this is the, I, 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 and I, you know, I used to be pretty conservative myself, uh, probably more conservative than most. And I think this is the, you know, people's worries when you start talking about communism and socialism is the idea that you will be forced to do labor against your will because for 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 compensation that you don't have any control over because it's in the greater good. You know, sure. If you have a unique sure. skill or talent that you're going to be pushed into that kind of service position. And I, I will say that, like. I think it's telling that, you know, the only workable utopias I've ever seen involve hundreds, if not thousands of years in the future, unlimited Mm -hmm. energy, matter replication, almost a magical ability to cater to anyone's individual whims and wishes, Uh, which is a real problem if you're trying to build a a utopia in a 21st century human society, because we don't have those things. We have limited resources and we have to think about Mm -hmm. how we allocate them. Um, I don't know what the answer is to that. Like, I, I do feel like we are kind of stuck with the system that we have until this system gives birth to the technologies it needs to get to the next stage. Exactly. And, yeah. I mean, specifically on the labor issue, well, automation will eventually take care of that. It's just like 
yeah how, how do you navigate those waters successfully to get you to a place where you can fully automate all the shit labor that nobody wants to do right uh without yeah creating an entire populace of slaves i and i'm sympathetic to the idea of like some people will have to do jobs that they don't like uh the question is like are they compensated fairly um do they do they make up for it in other ways um until we get to that fully automated society right yeah, because it's not just like compensation. It's like, you know, there are like, for what it's worth, I think uh, markets do work, you know, that if you incentivize mm-hmm. with extra money that it, you that, that um, you know, there's a demand uh, that there is an incentive that you can come up with to, to, to fill that demand. I think that, you know, we don't do things perfectly and. You know, uh, from either perspective, we don't do it perfectly from a capitalist perspective. We certainly don't do it perfectly from a a more collectivist socialist perspective. You know, Mm -hmm. it seems like the the best uh, uh, as fairly unfettered uh, free markets combined with very strong social safety net. So you still have that innovation that's going to lead to things like fusion energy and uh, advanced AI and, and robotic automation. Um, but you then have a safety net to catch people to get, you know, uh, flung out of the meat grinder. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably going to be the next couple hundred years of s- human society. Best case scenario until we do yeah, come yeah. up with some of those technologies. Cause like I guess when we're talking to Aaron, uh, that, uh, culture series that we both like, I, yeah, that that's, that's provided for super advanced AI and they have the ability to make AI that's not sentient. Mm-hmm. So that they can do their bidding and don't bitch about it. And they have unlimited energy and matter because of their sophisticated technological <laughs> understanding of the universe. So, yeah, it's yeah. pretty easy to make sure everyone has is living their best life when you have those things done. Um, moving on to Alvin says, do you think fidelity can be achieved in the mind? But like full metal alchemists posited, you can only last so long in, the sh- in a shell that isn't meant for you. I ask this because Caleb seems an awful lot like Caleb in spirit, but Hale couldn't attach or seemingly can't attach his mind to a body that it doesn't belong to. From Dalos to William to Caleb, true fidelity has never been achieved. Is it because you simply cannot do it? Is that the point? Um, I think what the do you- answer is we don't, we don't really know, right? Like they're trying, they're actively working on that in the show. And I don't know where they're going to come down on that. Yes, it could be that like, you just can't do this. Like the 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 matrix problem, right? Yeah. Uh, you get in a scenario, in this case, a body that your mind is telling you was wrong, and you just can't make it work. Yeah. Or it could be that they just haven't figured out the secret to it yet, and eventually they will make it. Yeah, I. That's the thing. It's like I don't know because the hosts don't seem to suffer from that problem, or maybe they do. Because Dolores gets imprinted into a hail body. And being Hale seems to have broken something within her, the experiences she's achieved. But like all the hosts are essentially copies of Dolores and they they do just fine in different substrates, you know. Um, and it, could you take Caleb and put him in a Hale body or a Maeve body? And would he I mean, that oh, that'd be super that'd be some that'd be some super well, interesting shit. It would be because the, like the core idea that you're dealing with here, I think, is a sense of self, right? Yes. Self identity. And what they're positing is like you take it out of the physical form that we are currently in and put it into another physical form and it breaks down. But mm-hmm. I think human beings are very good at maintaining an identity of self. Uh, if you, 
you you look at people who you know have limbs amputated or I was about I mean, to say all that. of us when we go to sleep at night wake sure. up with an identity of self even though we don't have a continuity of experience so like right i i think if i were making this show the idea would be that we are actually very good at doing this and that we could very easily slip into another form as long as we were given some process of easing into that and and i think the show is kind of trying to do that with the fidelity tests yeah no it's funny i don't know where they're gonna go with it i i think about like people who have been like mauled by wild animals or have been severely burned throughout their bodies and they come out with uh their their human shell looking fairly horrific like you know out of a horror movie and I know it's very hard, but some of these people are able to go on and live very fulfilling lives of meaningful relationships and their sense of self survives that destruction. Um, so it can be done. And I think it would be even easier. Like if uh, someone was to say like, oh, hey, Ron, we're going to take you and put you in the body of a 30, 30 year old Brad Pitt. Uh, and he's going to have all the athleticism and all the good. And I'd be like, fuck, yeah, get me out of this husk. Put me in that one. You know, like I, I feel like uh-huh. uh, being um, or if, you know, you, you posited a, a future where like bionics were so good, they're superior in sense of their touch and sense of their tactile and and their pressure sensitivity, their strength. I think that it would be a lot easier to lose a limb if you were getting an upgrade to one. Um, oh, sure. And, you know, of course, there's some science fiction cultures that take that to the next level where it's like once that happens, people preferentially start discarding the flesh and Mm -hmm. in favor of the superior, uh, you know, artificial stuff. But I am not sure where Joy and Nolan are going to to land on on this question. Priscilla says when Aaron mentioned he went to, on a Googling frenzy to find the meaning of uh, 279. This is the the model number of the latest Caleb. I immediately started Googling to see what everyone's birthdays were. Turns out Aaron, sorry, Aaron Paul's birthday is August 27th, 1979. Not sure if it correlates, but it's very fun. Uh, I mean, that's it's as good as chance as any, because I just really don't think there's any kind of like Bible math or, yeah. you know, uh, this the, is com- the one number that the numerologists have missed, right? Right. <laughs> they haven't. Right. Ever- attached some significance to yet so it could be i mean they're they're picking out significant numbers like they you pick out your pin you know it's like i can't make my birthday but i can make a call uh Mm -hmm. it's like i said it's as as good as any and i but but if i i don't know i because like man people got in a real tizzy last year noticing that god what was it it was like williams when he's in the institution, his like uh, inventory number was extremely close to the Delos tracking number of one of the hosts. And people were kind of really like, like, you know, there's like only three significant digits off out of like a 16 digit alphanumeric code. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I don't think that turned out to be anything. Um, I don't remember it well enough to say for sure. Or maybe as William and Caleb were very similar on that. I, I just think that the, yeah. but, but, but who knows? Who knows? I think 279 is what you're supposed to understand a big number. You mm-hmm. know, it's a lot of times to go through this, but not so much that you'd start to question that Hale can do this in a 20 some year period, you know? Right. Christopher B says, wondering how much the show is really going to deal with the idea of immortality. I think death is good. Uh, 
or for good or bad is a drive that humans have. It puts fire under our butts. A host may really not have the reaper hanging over his shoulder that much. And the show's not that clear about it at times or even what kills their physical bodies. Be interesting uh, if there's a flash forward, like really far, like billions of years into the future. What does a billion year old Maeve do all day? She's still running through the farm with her daughter. That shit got to get old after a while. But maybe I'm thinking with a human brain, with all the thoughts or, or with all the faults there in, involved. My stupid human brain. Most fiction has the immortal sacrificing cells dying or giving or being given the gift of mortality. Uh, what do you think about this? Because this is and, and he even I, I cut this part out, but he made analogy to the ending of The Good Place that even an infinity of heaven can turn into hell. Sure. Uh, from our at least human perspective. I don't know if you, you get to the pearly gates and they give you a bulk apprehension upgrade to where you're just cool with that. Um, and that show explored different ways, like, you know, uh, of, of dealing with that. Like, what are your goals? What are your objectives? But it seems even the most driven person eventually runs out of things that they can discover and create and explore, which seems to be very core to our human drive. Yeah, I mean, I, I just wonder if, like, hmm, what's what's a reasonable lifespan for someone to feel an amount of pressure to get things done? Is the heat death of the universe a reasonable amount of time for a, you know, essentially immortal host to feel like they have a limited lifespan? Or is that going to feel like an eternity? Because eventually all matter in the universe will decay to the point where it is nothing but cold. It'll just be cold, nothing in space. Right. So like that's our current understanding as far as we know. Yeah. Um, And to be fair, that is an unimaginably (laughs) vast period of time to undergo to humans. Is that unimaginably? That's my point. Is it unimaginably vast mm. for someone who feels like they are essentially immortal? Hmm. Would that would that limit them in any way, or would it get to the hell point where you feel like, yeah, I've done everything, and this is hell now? I, I think probably the latter. I think it's like a long enough period of time to where you could experience everything you would reasonably want to experience. Yeah. So, I do think having the choice is the difference, right? Like, if I have a choice to be able to die versus like I'm actually immortal. Yeah. Because if, if fuck if I'm immortal, I think that would be a hell. If, I do too. if I have a choice to end my existence or at least my continuity of self-identity, like I said, yeah. uh, I think that's that's kind of heaven. Yeah, I think that's adding the choice solves all these problems because maybe some person feels fulfilled and is ready to move on in a thousand years. Someone needs a billion. Someone needs yeah. a trillion. Someone needs a hundred trillion. Someone needs 500 billion Baramy Jeremy's if you want to go to the good place. <laughs> uh-huh. But whenever that period where they just feel like I... I'm satisfied and I no longer have anything to look forward to. And I just kind of want to get off this ride and they can change their minute to the last nanosecond of like, if they, as they're putting the suicide plunger in, if they're like, Oh wait, I never learned how to juggle. They could stop. But like, I I think that solves all the problems. Well, let me ask you, does that guarantee that everyone's life will eventually devolve into hell because, or, or, or everyone will end their life in a place of dissatisfaction. No, because I feel like or even do you think people will choose to go out on a high note. 
Ooh, that's an interesting question. Because I've, I've personally, like my grandfather just passed away a few years ago on his, you know, his, his deathbed was like two weeks long. But he expressed to me that, like, I'm ready. I have had, like, look at all my children, look at all my grandchildren, look at my great grandchildren at this point. I've had two wives. I've lived through a lot of stuff. I've done better than most. And this, this kind of where I'm at right now kind of sucks. And I'm, 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 I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Well, that's uh, the thing. Yeah. I mean, where he was at kind of sucked, right? Like you, you don't go body, to yeah. Vegas and stop betting when you're, when you're on a winning streak. <laughs> right. So like true, but if on, we, if on, we becomes painful, you could just self-terminate, you know? And uh-huh. I feel like host good. Yeah. I wonder if, can a host just think themselves to death? Can just like, just, just turn off or I, I mean, it seems like they can just kill <laughs> themselves. Yeah. Just con- control C their own code. Uh, Probably. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. A lot of interesting questions. I maybe talk to Aaron about that stuff, right? Uh, yeah. Immortality. He also had a question of do humans need conflict to survive? Because it seems like fictional TV shows, it's a given that they do. Because if it's a show about mm-hmm. nothing happening, I mean, you can only do the old Seinfeld got a way of doing that and only for a few seasons. Uh what is Westworld going to do with another season with war between humans and robots? If the hail plan works and everything runs smoothly afterwards, it's got to fuck up at some point for the story to continue. Maybe that Christina is the show's yeah. av- writer's avatars complaining that people want blood and action and not the cerebral complete contemplative show that they want to tell. Maybe that's why the action scenes kind of are meh. You want an action scene, huh? Well, here we gave it to you. Now leave us alone. Maybe. I think drama Maybe that actually could be plausible. Conflict. I, yeah. I don't think people need conflict. I think people need opportunities to grow. Mm. Um, I, I don't think they need conflict, right? Like I, for instance, I am super interested right now in scale modeling stuff and I'm getting way into that and I'm feeling fulfilled through it. But like, that's not conflict. I'm problem solving. <laughs> I'm growing. I'm yeah. learning, but it's not conflict. Drama needs conflict. I don't need drama. Yeah. Yeah. I think I feel the same that like, honestly, humans need security and contentment. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's, a, there's also different types of people. I think there are some kind uh-huh. of people who are wired to be more explorers and discoverers and they might get itchy if they just had a, you know, the, like what Kicha just said when the days were long and warm and easy, like mm-hmm. after a few, like you might get restless of that, but Maybe those are the people people that like wired for drama. I know I definitely know some people who thrive on conflict and drama. Yeah. I wonder if that's their their best self though. Like would like, I always wondered, it's like if they were, but even what does that even mean? If they were neurotypical, they wouldn't act that way. (laughs) Right. Uh, If they were different, they wouldn't be this way. Right. And like, why, why do I like the explorer? Like, why do I think that's cool? And a person that just likes human drama and being immersed in it's not like, that's just, that's a, that's a subjective value judgment I'm making for sure. Sure. David hood says nihilism is about giving into an exorable decay of the universe entropy human existence down to ourselves work in opposition to that decay for millions of years. Cellular life has been building architecture capable of leaving whatever environment it's trapped in the biological imperative adapt or die and expand or die humans through their ingenuity, community and use of tools adapt to and adapt any inner environment. We're already preparing to adapt Mars. We are the latest experiment in a billion-year-old project to expand cellular life to the universe. 
Without this imperative to reproduce and expand, Hale's children may have consciousness, but without the same purpose we have written in every cell of our meat bodies. Do the hosts not have this drive to procreate and to expand and to, uh, yeah, to, 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 to be fruitful and multiply as, as God laid it down in, in Genesis. If they do, it's something we've given them, right? To make them seem more like us. I guess the question would be, can they do without it? Could they, could they erase that? Um, I don't know. Yeah, you you want to set it to universal drive, but that's only because we have a set of one here, planet Earth, and uh, reproduction is the way we compete with everything else. And all of our evolution for a billion years has been single mindedly focused on doing that better and better and better, um, right? And more. Like, but if you, I wonder if hosts would get to a point where they would be satisfied with the number of hosts who are around, yeah, and simply like, stop reproducing. And if there's need for more, they can make more because they're going to a different planet. <laughs> they're exploring yeah, the cosmos, yeah. and but or like they've yeah. lost a few. You know, yeah, it's like you know what? It's more. it's this is the great. This is the good number of hosts, and we don't need any more fulfill fulfilled. Because the other thing is like, would Maeve is very attached to her daughter, but if she didn't have her daughter, would she feel the need to create one? It seems like Hale huh. has that, but again, she was copying a person who had. Uh, children. Like I, I don't know if the hosts have an innate ability or need to to create and procreate. Um, well, they're all they're all built on models of us, right? Because they wanted Westworld yeah. to seem as lifelike as possible, as mm-hmm. as much like us as possible. Mm-hmm. So they all, I think they all probably have some more or less desire to procreate, yeah. but. And yeah, those can those desires be changed because, like you know, we are right. animals, but we also, uh, as, as Pratchett put it, we're the where the rising, we're where the fallen angel meets the rising ape. You know what mm-hmm. we wanted mm-hmm. as people ten thousand years ago, are not what we want today, and probably won't be where what we want ten thousand years hence. So, um, yeah. are those things unchangeable, or can we overcome them? I don't know. Why well, I love the show so much. It might uh, give us uh, answers where we can look at and be like, ah, I don't like that. Or I actually think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. S from Vermont says, I'm watching this season and I definitely think I'm seeing something more between Maeve and Caleb talking chemistry here. The Timberance mm-hmm. Park scenes in particular showed this in a couple of places. When the host offered Caleb assistance with dressing, Maeve reacted strongly and sent her away before Caleb could even weigh in. The bar scene at the Butterfly Club, Caleb saw Maeve's reaction to the new Hector and seemed to be bothered by it. Their overall dynamic between them is just much different than what we saw between Caleb and Dolores. When Maeve was killed, quote unquote, in the explosion with the man in black, Caleb is devastated and cries out. I think there's definitely something going on there. Um, man, there's, there's, yeah, to be clear, there's also a theory that Frankie is the biological child of Maeve and Caleb. I don't see any evidence of that. Uh huh. Um, but I also am not put, I'm not saying I would be, you know, against it. I actually, this is one of the questions I think we've had since season one. Can these flesh and blood hosts get, can you knock them up? Can you get them pregnant? Uh, I don't yeah, know. I mean, they're, their their relationships are fundamentally different, right? The Dolores that was in Dolores's body versus the version of Dolores that's in Maeve's body. the The one with Dolores and Caleb felt to me more like parent and child. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one the relationship he has with Maeve feels more like equals. 
um, they they fought together, right? They were on the same page with their goals from the very beginning. Um, yeah, with Dolores, she was almost like teaching him how to how to learn, how to think, all that stuff. It was also because, like, the, I think the show made it clear that Caleb did have the hots for Dolores, and the, the yeah, know, she yeah. surmised that that's the reason, that's the bait that got him onto this. You know, she kind of knew he'd be susceptible. You know, he's a good guy. Cause he didn't go around, you know, raping him when he could, but mm-hmm. they made it pretty clear that like, that was one of the things that kind of set the hook. Um, but I think it was a one side. I don't think Dolores had any interest in romance with Caleb. I do think Maeve no. maybe sees something of Hector that cause Hector was programmed to be an outlier in his society. He's the person that's like, Oh, sure. I can be a rancher or a farmer or a miner or a no fuck that. I'm going to be an outlaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something to that with Caleb that my, that same energy might be there. I, 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 cause I do, I do think they, uh, just between the actors, I think they have more chemistry and in character, I think they have more chemistry, but where does yeah. it go? You know, Caleb, where can Caleb's, it go? Caleb's a host now though. It can go, uh-huh. it can go places. I don't know. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I don't know. Are they going to like create a child together? Like literally build it? Yeah. Make one, for, make a sister for Frankie or brother. Maybe. Justin P says, since Stubbs, quote unquote, doesn't make it, maybe humans and hosts killing themselves is the right way to go. Bernard knows they all needed to die. I nor, so this this is the type of stuff that doesn't usually make into the feedback Because like my question would be like, OK, what is our evidence and what does this suggest? You know, but. I think with Dolores killing her, or I'm sorry, Christine, quote unquote, killing herself in the bathtub and this baptism rebirth kind of thing, there Hmm. might be something to that, that literally to get to where you need to be in development, you have to experience death. It's certainly what the hosts went through. Caleb's gone through it now. Uh, What do you think? Yeah. Um, and, and I get the feeling that like with, with the stuff that's going on with the sublime, with their accelerated timeline, their, uh, it, you know, Hale trying to get all her people to go there, but them not willing to go there and then her getting killed, uh, potentially before she can get there. I, I feel like they're telling a story where the people on the outside, the people who have not had the time to move past all the bullshit that caused the problems between humanity and hosts in the first place uh, until they all die. They're not, we're not going to be able to get there. We need, we need to move beyond this and the people in the sublime have moved beyond it. And so maybe everyone on the outside does go extinct. And then the people on the, uh, in the sublime come rushing out to take, you know, to claim this empty world. I just don't know what death does. Like, I, I see what it does thematically and like flavor well, and all that kind of it, stuff. It cleanses any any idea, any wrongheaded ideas we would have about anything, right? Hmm. Like, it would reset society to now be twenty three thousand years in the future. Gotcha. In in the scenario where the sublime people come out. Let's move on to Dan from Dallas. In episode six, Bernard scans Frankie using the mirror technology and temperance. When Frankie later reveals that Bernard is a host, she shows Jay her full scan on Bernard's tablet. At that point, Frankie accuses Bernard of trying to copy all the resistance. And when Stubbs asks Bernard if it's true, he says, it's complicated. You have to trust me. 
Mm-hmm. The tower control room in episode seven, Bernard records a message on his tablet that says there's time for one more game. If you give her that choice, you can't miss reach with your left hand dot 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 host. William then shows up and com- comments that Bernard should have destroyed the tower by now. He shoots Bernard, but Bernard takes one final action on his tablet, saving or sending the message. Perhaps what is Bernard doing in the control room? If not destroying the tower and who is he recording a message for? I think Frankie's data has a lot to do with answering this question. Is Bernard trying to scan humanity's remaining cockroaches and find resistance fighters like Frankie? Did he transmit this data somewhere, perhaps into the Sublime? After all, he and Maeve left the door to the Sublime open. I think that Frankie is now backed up in the Sublime and could later return as a replicant, which would make sense of Bernard's line to Maeve at the Hoover Dam that the job was to make sure we're properly backstopped, i.e. have Hmm. our data backed up appropriately. Preserving humanity's resistance in the form of Frankie's data may be important for rebuilding society. Having copies of resistance fighters such as Frankie and Caleb as pro-human hosts might balance out any anti-human hosts that survived the upcoming extinction event. Maybe all the flesh and blood humans do die, but society is rebuilt on the backs of the few surviving hosts and human replicants. It's, um, I like because we, we talked about that. The host might have a dim view of humanity because all the hosts, the humans, humans that they've come across are essentially rich assholes. They're entitled. They're not one. The, the, you know, they, they tend to have extreme tastes because they're so fucking jaded and maybe having like more quote unquote salt of the earth types like Caleb and Maeve that are struggling on the other end is something that, you know, in some kind of vast truth and reconciliation process, you can heal the divide between them. Um, yeah could be uh, they can come to a better understanding of what humanity is the entirety of humanity not just that slice of humanity i like the way that worked in the properly backstopped into yeah. the equation yeah. for some reason like bernard opening the sublime did not make me immediately think oh well it's a computer system that you could just beam people into now that it's unencrypted mm-hmm. like there's no reason a host has to physically walk into the doorway, right? This is true. You just take their data and beam it over there. Yeah. I, I didn't even think about that. That makes uh, quite a bit of sense, actually. It's like you said, with the backstop idea. Uh, Zarina follows up on something we talked about. Uh, someone sent in the idea that uh, Dolores's or Christina's pouch in her future dress has like a player piano type cuts and they sent a picture and it's kind of blurry and I, I couldn't make anything out. Zarina's gone through in, in some raw recent episodes and got some 4K copies of this stuff. And she says, okay, call me crazy and most likely there's nothing more than a symbolic purpose to it, but isn't this neat? And she provides us pictures of a player piano scroll, Christina's side pouch, and Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan's production company logo, Kilter Films. They're all variations of these you know, dash dot patterns on p- player piano paper that control the notes and duration that they're played. Like if mm-hmm. you look, um, I-, I wish I could show this to you on a podcast, but if you look at Christina's pouch, it's a black kind of purse thing. And it has these very distinctive uh, cuts and, and made into it. It looks like a player piano roll. I'm yeah. with Zarina. I think this might just be a symbolic thing. And it's beyond my ability to look at her pouch and be like, oh, that's fade to black. That's Jawadi's <laughs> fade to black version. Um, uh-huh. But it is, I think, that imagery of that player piano is something that's very important to Joy and Nolan. 
you know yeah absolutely the the idea of control um the idea of like automation of of predestination all Mm -hmm. of those things are kind of tied up in the player piano symbology right yeah and like on if anyone does know how to do player piano stuff uh, and (laughs) wants to give a gander at the christina's purse there uh by all means but uh you know, we're about three days away from just, just getting the answer. So we'll see. But thanks for sending that in. That's really cool. Alina Max says, one possible reason Shaloris created the Christina was to gift herself a happy life. Christina is an unspoiled, untraumatized Dolores who never experienced the horrors of Westworld or the Man in Black. Shaloris knows the pain she experienced in the West world as Dolores and later the pain of Charlotte's family's dying. The pain gives Shaloris her own identity, even though a part of her may wish she could go back to being a happy girl living a normal life. If we're all robots with code, would we reboot ourselves at the earlier save point so our lives could be different? I believe Bernard retrieved Teddy or recreated him from memory to co-op Christina to their side to bring down Shaloris's plan. Bernard and Arnold always believed in the goodness of Dolores. He knew that he wouldn't be survive or wouldn't survive tearing down the tower and that only a sliver of humans and hosts could survive the man in black's final game. These survivors would need a compassionate leader like Dolores. After the baptisms, Christina may be the angel of salvation and the man in black is the angel of destruction. I would absolutely save scum my life. A hundred percent. You would what? I would save scum my life for sure. Save scum? Yeah, it's the, the idea where you like save it try a thing reload it if it doesn't work and try oh, a thing again save scum like if you're in it does skyrim work, and, you and it's again. like i'm yeah, gonna yeah. go and murder all the town's guards but i don't want to deal with the consequences uh-huh. so yeah, yeah yeah a b test the life it, it gets weird when you're talking about a scenario around you that doesn't reset if you're just resetting your memory that would be strange uh-huh. yeah because the guards <laughs> would still be after you <laughs> right uh so i don't even know if that would work but yeah i would try it and that's something that's been a theory that like Shaloris is trying to engender a host consciousness without trauma. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it does. It seems like her plan is thwarted because Christine, uh, Christina seems fairly traumatized by the end of this episode. Yeah. She's been sliced. Like, she's been, she's seen people murder each other and killing mm-hmm. senselessly and she can't stop it. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Evan says, save our marriage. I want you to weigh in on this wine-induced debate between my wife and I. Why do the drones have... I I like like steaks. I like steaks in my feedback. Uh, Why do the drones have red blood? We both agree it's odd. The wife believes it's more economical if all host and host adjacent beings are pumped full of the same blood. The way you're making two different types... That way you're making two different types of blood. I think it's just poor writing. It makes no sense to have non-sentient beings have blood. If they have blood, they probably have a heart. Why does a drone need a heart? Any thoughts on this? The loser will have to do dishes. So no pressure. <laughs> now, is it not been established canonically that the hosts do in fact have hearts? Like, I'm pretty sure I've seen someone rip one out. The the newer versions of them, I think, do. Yeah. The the non-metallic versions. Yeah. The, the, the obsidian tinker toy version pr- did not have any of that shit. But I understand that these new hosts are literally 3D printed human bodies. Mm-hmm. The only difference is inside their brain is a little receptacle for a pearl and a host, uh, bi- a, a, a biological 
um, interface that translates the digital signals to the analog nerve symbols. But otherwise, you know, and I don't know, like, do host shit? Uh, do hosts have fully functional wombs and reproductive systems? I mean, they don't systems? have to breathe. I mean, that's that's the other thing, right? Like, it's they can't be totally human because in order to function, our muscles need oxygen. And, sure. And that's not like a thing that the brain can control. That's a physical, biological need. So, regardless of whether you have a computer brain or a human brain, your muscles need oxygen to move. Right. So it can't literally be a human body. And it's not because also they, they don't decay. You know, if their bodies were made out of stuff that, you know, uh, bacteria and, uh, you know, maggots and worms could infest, then that would be one thing. But clearly, whatever they are, uh, nothing on Earth is capable of digesting them. You're capable of processing true. their material because if they would, they'd start to rot and they decay and they they don't. We've seen them not just being buried and you can say, oh, maybe she got mummified out in the desert. No, we saw some fucking dude just chilling in uh, a hallway of the bowels of temperance dead for 20 plus years. And he is as fresh yeah. as a daisy. So I hmm. this might be this might be this the, your way out, Evan. <laughs> I think you might both be right. Because I don't think this is literally human blood. I don't think you could put this in a human and they would survive. I don't think you could eat their flesh like a human. But I think the the real re- reason they have red blood is because it looks cool when you kill them. Yes, 100%. And none of the, the red, hosts, white, and black motif. None of the hosts seemed like they had a burning desire to change the architecture of their bodies until Hale decided to start ascending them. Like, it's like... Well, we're outside. Do we want to re-engineer the host 3D printing process or do we just want to? Because that was a process. Oh, there's also I'm pretty sure a scene in season three or two where they show the milky white host that's fully constructed and then they inject the blood and that's when their color Mm -hmm. starts coming into their skin. So there is some blood analog, but I don't think it's literal human blood. Yeah. Just like their bodies, like they have muscles, they have you know, reproductive organs and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think they're this, they're, they're literally the same made of the same carbon material that we are. And as far as the color, you're hundred percent right. It's, it's a visual thing. The, the show is interested in having striking reds and blacks and whites. That is its style. So. Uh, and of course the winning move is to uh, just uh, be, uh, be the bigger man, offer to do dishes and see where it goes. See, see <laughs> okay. where that, see where that, uh, that, uh, that action takes you. Uh, Vanessa says which her is being given a choice this is the line of uh, dialogue that we quoted previously where Bernard's saying if you know you want to give her that chance you can't miss I think the her in Bernard's video message implies either A. Maeve because he copied her pearl at the Roaring Twenties land or B. Dolores rather than Christine and there's maybe one more original Dolores pearl from season two. Oh, there's a bunch rolling around out there or see Emily since we see her at the end of the season two finale. Emily, of course, the man in black's daughter. Hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. what about D Frankie? Sure, this could be devolving into giving another human a choice to do something. Um, yeah. Also, Hale. Sure. You know, if Bernard's able to give her some new shit that's come to light from his time in the Sublime. Uh, I think that's a strong possibility. The hail is to her that you could trust. Um, I'm really leaning toward Christina 
because we have so little information about who or what Christina is right now Mm -hmm. that I feel like the last episode has to focus a lot on that. So just, you know, by like sheer odds of how much time is going to be spent in the finale on a thing, I think it's probably Christina, but I, who knows? Yeah. I do think that we are not going to see literal Dolores come back. Um, uh-huh. because that's one thing that, and then again, I don't believe these lying jackals, but it's one thing that, that, uh, you know, Jonathan and, and Lisa seem to be pretty, cons- you know, concrete about that, that Dolores is dead, uh, dead, dead. But, um, and I think if that, that, that was the possibility, it would have happened when she got baptized. Like I was kind of half expecting her for, to arise from the water and because, and we got, we got a really great email coming up here. You know, when Jesus got baptized, you know, before that point, according to the Bible, his pre-human history that he spent for eons with his heavenly father up in heaven was shut off to him. Like all Mm -hmm. he had was his human experience. When he came up from that, the waters of the Jordan, uh, God bestowed upon him in the form of Holy Spirit, uh, miraculous powers and complete knowledges of, of his pre-human existence. And I thought when I saw that happen, holy shit, she's going to come out and she's going to know she's Dolores. She's going to recognize Teddy. And of course they went completely different directions. I, that was the last stop for the Dolores train for me. Could be wrong. I won't be pissed about it um, mm-hmm. unless it's stupid, but, <laughs> of course. but, but that's what I'm thinking. That's the caveat on everything. Unless it's stupid. We'll right. Be fine there's, with it. there's definitely a right. There's, I don't think there's no wrong answers, but they're definitely <laughs> right and wrong ways to go about getting to those answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Landry says this week, he posed a question on who could do, who could swoop in to save the original William when he's stabbed by Hale's version and suggested Clementine, who we have not seen in that episode. I think it makes a lot of sense. Remember way back in the stray in season one, young William saved her from Horace, a convict who escapes by being brought to sweet water by the bounty hunter. It was William's first kill in Westworld. Maybe she remembers this compassionate William. Wow. I didn't remember that. But she's got a better memory than I do, for sure. I also wish I had time because I didn't. I used up all the time just compiling the feedback for it. I wanted to go back and rewatch the beginning of the season where William hunts down and kills Clementine to see if there's anything the dialogue suggests. Because there's the other thing that I've always got in the back of my mind is this could be still essentially Arnold's plan working itself out and could have been gotcha. predicted like way, way and and so that Christine or uh, Clementine being hunted down and killed by the man in black to be brought into his inner circle is all part of the plan. Mm. Uh, yeah, maybe. But I also like the symmetry between, you know, uh, Dolores remembering Caleb's mercy and compassion in a different lifetime and Clementine realizing the same thing about William and it's his Darth Vader moment turning back mm-hmm. to Anakin. Uh you know, maybe only the host William post death could do that kind of heel face turn. But I, I like the symmetry there a lot. I, I think it risks undermining the point of that scene, though. Uh, but they they could what un undermine it later yeah. on. Uh, John G, who you might recall is the Pentateuch guy. He's the guy that says that each season of Westworld roughly corresponds to the first five books of the Bible. Uh but he's got some he's got some other stuff to talk about first. It says Aaron asked if the horse was in the tower in the sublime the first time. And boy, was it Bernard's literally following this horse the moment he gets into sublime. It opens with Charlie doing his dad. Open your eyes line 
to lead Bernard through the door. But once through the door, the horse is in every scene he comes upon, including the same room with him in Akichita. So when this first aired, I was thinking this was meant to represent Dolores because she rode the white horse and that's Dolores's tree. I thought maybe there's some element or remainder of Dolores in the sublime, or maybe it's just that all these scenes relate to Dolores because the things Bernard is walking through are her tree, the massacre at the park, all caused by and associated with her. And then there's the tower, which is the version of Dolores that is Hale. Uh, also, I'm pretty sure that that horse is also a copy of Dolores in some very real way. Like it's got her base <laughs> uh-huh. programming and she's a horse. Uh, for a bit, I wondered if somehow Dolores was inside Bernard when he'd entered the sublime and the sublime didn't know how to render this partial mind inside another one, except for the weird symbolic way at the horse. There's been the odd animal symbology since the beginning with the vulture and the wolf. The other part of the theory is that the scene from, uh, with Bernard is looking at the massacre scene in Westworld and the wolf stumbles into the scene. It's not just similar, but an exact copy of the scene Dolores saw in season one, episode one, after she begins to wake up and sees all the bodies laying on the ground. Why would that be the reference Bernard sees of the Westworld massacre, a vision Dolores had? I guess... Hmm. Like, again, if you go back to, like, all the hosts or copies of Dolores, they all have to have some kind of echoes of her early pre-Westworld experiences. And the massacre did did happen before the park opened, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one potential explanation. You also asked if we're ever going to see those new hosts walking around. Well, we already have very briefly in a very far background in episode seven as Bernard is approaching the tower. At least when they walk around a host series, they still appear armless, no tentacles and evidence yet. He included a screenshot. Hmm. Sure enough, in the very far background, you can see these guys stomping along those little catwalks they got over the water. But they're like, you know, obviously I watched a fucking show three times. and I missed it. So good catch there. Uh, when you're going over the difference between the sublime version of the Hoover Dam minus the mission minus the real life version, there's one difference that stood out to me. In the sim, Maeve says, my God, this is where Dolores sent it. And Bernard cuts her off with the sublime. In the real life version, Maeve says, my God, this is where Dolores sent it, the whole world. And Bernard doesn't cut her off. I found that to be an mm. odd difference in two versions. She doesn't say a whole world. She says the whole world. Any ideas idea that the extinction events happen outside the sublime and then the sublime is all that's left uh, and they come out into the, the rest of the world. But why would Maeve say that the the whole world? Yeah, I, I don't know um, when she's not in the sublime. I have nothing. I got nothing. Uh, this seems yeah. significant, obviously, but I don't I, I, I got I got no ideas on what it is. I don't either. To go back real quick to the horse, I think it's interesting that like the symbology of Dolores would be there, but Dolores herself yeah. would be absent. Mm. And you look at like the state that Christina's in, right? Like the symbology of Dolores, the body, the physical form is there, but Dolores is absent. It's now Christina. It's a new new entity. So maybe that has something to do with it. He also said. Uh, a, a, a Torah slash Pentateuch update. Uh, hmm. We'll see if the finale kills it off or leaves a room for it to exist. Still, we've got a mat. We still got a mass die off of generations happening with only a small group, maybe making it to the promised land, wherever that is, the sublime or somewhere else. If I'm putting Bernard in the role of Moses, then it makes sense for him to die before the people get to the promised land. Cause that's what happens in the next book, Deuteronomy. 
Moses never makes it. We've talked about this a bunch. Also, doesn't he crack open a giant rock and a ton of water pours out? That's the thing that that's the sin he committed. Yeah. By not by taking credit for that in a very roundabout way rather than giving it to the almighty. Okay, so maybe Bernard won't make that same mistake, but I think that Hoover Dam is going to Oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's where I was going with that. He's going to strike it with his staff and bring forth a torrent of water. Oh, my God. I think so. Probably. Probably. Almost certainly. Because A, it's a cool visual, right? But B, it has that symbology in it. Uh, Moses' replacement is his loyal sidekick, Joshua, a warrior who has been with Moses in all his treks, including up to Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments and outside the tabernacle when they die, or they're in exile, rather. Joshua is the one who leads the attack to take the land of Canaan, the promised land. Could this be Stubbs? Is Stubbs the comic mm. relief that tweet fucking tweet? Fuck you, Bernard. Ber- Bernie and Stubbs roadshow goofball going to have the big turn and become an important leader of these new people, whoever they are and whatever happens to them after his big calamity. If you go back to the park, Stubbs is created to shepherd and care for all the hosts as his main drive created by God himself Ford for this task. That's a fucking banger, baby. I I love it. I I love that for Stubbs. Is Stubbs sentient? Have we have we ever put like a stamp on that? Isn't he one of the hosts that like didn't have the opportunity to evolve? (sighs) But he's had 23 more since then? 30 years years yeah. and, and i, I, I don't hope. know i don't even know what that <laughs> even means like to me once a host is self-aware that they're a host they are kind of sentient like the only thing that keeps them not okay. sentient is when they're on their loops him following his base instinct i don't think is the same as not being sentient because i follow my base instincts a lot i i would like to think i'm sentient uh well that's, that's the difference Jury's between like being given a drive and making your own drive but like I, I don't know, because all the other hosts had to go through a lot of pain to get there, right? And Stubbs was just... But he did die. He was a human. He thought he lost his whole mission and, and and had no further drive, and he tried to kill himself, and he fucked it up. Um, yeah. Maybe that was his moment. That's pretty painful. If you're, if you're driven to commit suicide, That's you don't do that totally. from... Unless you're a theoretical trillions-old human that's just done with it. <laughs> right. But... Fair point. Uh, Adam... Adam says something small about the transcendent robot design that struck me is where the marbles seem to be placed. They're all just gently placed in the center of the head uncovered makes these bodies super vulnerable. Add that to the bodies not having arms and it seems Hale is building the exact opposite of an indestructible body, but something actually extremely vulnerable reminds me of the odd from Dr. Who, or maybe it's Ood. I am not a Dr. Who fan, unfortunately. Uh, Oh, actually producer. Is it odd or Ood? I just checked with a, an actual West, an actual Doctor Who fan. It's Ood. They're a race of creatures who are born holding their brains in their hands and are thus a biological requirement uh, to be a peaceful people. Makes sense. If you can just like slap someone's brains out of their hands and kill them, then mm-hmm. that ain't that, that shit ain't going to hunt. Um, perhaps Hale's vision for the host future is one where they're all so vulnerable to one another that they would never commit violence. Perhaps that explains why she has them running around in a murder park to get it out of their systems before transcending. I fucking love this theory. I like this. Uh huh. You give them a drop top skull so that anybody can, and they're, they're on these little ostrich legs. They can just hacha kick that thing out and done. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, they're all Chuck Norris's too. Uh, <laughs> they do round those the roundhouse kicks. Those things are capable of. Oh my god! Right. There's also the possibility that the body doesn't matter much because it's all you know running in the cloud or something like that. And these are ways for 
marbles that are already backed up elsewhere to communicate with the server. I don't know. But well, yeah, this, I, I like your idea a lot better. This also goes into the whole seven gram bullet thing, because like that uh, will kill a host, but if they're backed up, not really. Right. And then Hale I obviously has back, ability. Right, is what she says. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I don't know. It's a good it's a cool theory, Adam. We'll see. We'll see how it goes in the uh, episode in season five to come. Hopefully. Sean P says, I found the back and forth about why the transcendent human shells do not have arms to be pretty entertaining because there's really no reason for it besides to look less humanoid. With that said, I think I have a viable solution. Throughout season four, Hale is constantly picking out her arms out of stress or as a way to signify her disdain (laughs) for the fleshly human bodies. Mm -hmm. This would lead her to continually associate her arm and the host body with stress and scars of imperfection of the fleshy form, as well as her failure of the fly-induced human host society. To put it simply, in designing the transcendent shell for the host seeking to ascend, Hale designed them without arm-like appendages as their most distinct physical reminder of not only her host form, but also her scare- scarred past. What do you think about... I, I want to see the version of <laughs> Hale that keeps the, the scars on her torso and then decides to make a humanoid form without a torso as a result. <laughs> So I don't see just arms and legs attached to a head, I guess. <laughs> I also, when I was reading this email for the first time, I was like, and maybe they don't have arms. So they'll have to cooperate. Like if you want to do something with another host, you'll have to like put your feet together <laughs> Voltron to together to become a yeah! human hand. Fuck. I wasn't even thinking the Voltron model. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Hale will form I the get head. I get to be the course. thumb this time, guys. I get to be the thumb. <laughs> Uh, but it'd be, it's another thing going back to your like empathy, cooperation, long-term thinking. If you just can't do, if you're not self-sufficient, if you're only like half of an ambulatory vehicle that you have to get together with another host to be able to accomplish anything. Um, I mean, obviously I think high minded future thinking stuff I'm talking about, man. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we'll see. I doubt it's going to be that, but we can dream. Yeah. I think they'll just have arms pop out or tentacles or something, but, uh, that's that's a cool idea. Jeff G says, I want to write in about the question of bullets and whether they can really kill hosts. A lot of people, including myself, seem confused by the most recent episode and whether Maeve, Hale and Bernard are really dead. We obviously won't know that question uh, until the finale. But according to my understanding of how hosts work, I don't think they really are. A lot of people are hung up on Hale saying that a seven gram bullet can kill a host. That's not actually what she said. The actual quote is and a seven gram bullet to your pearl will end you. In the context of the host, end is different than kill. I think what Charlotte is talking about here is stopping or disabling a host body, which is different than erasing their mind. If a host was irretrievably damaged and fully dead every time they were shot in the head, that would have been a nightmare for Delos. Hosts were shot up all the time in the park, but then patched up and put back into service. It seems like if the control unit has been damaged by a bullet or fire, an EMP blast, or being buried in the desert for 23 years, then the host body can no longer function. But as long as the pearl itself is intact, the host can always be brought back to a new body. Um, And of course, there's also the copy aspect. Like even if their pearl was destroyed Mm -hmm. in a Delos park, it's I don't think it's that big a deal because you could just make a new pearl and zap the host into it and put them in there. But I think this might be a useful distinction, this end versus kill. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at this is like sticking a hard drive into a computer, right? Um, The marble is the hard drive. The computer is the the control unit. uh, And then that interfaces with, you know, the rest of the body. So, like, you could 
you could take a marble out, you could damage a control unit. And as long as you have a new control unit to stick the marble into, which is the memory, which is the essence of them, then you could just have that person come back. I do think there's something to this because I don't think it's unintentional that the bullet hole in Maeve's head is way off or what? No, it was the bullet hole in Hale's head is way off center mm-hmm. to like suggest that the pearl was spared. And if that's the case, then it means the man in black meant to do it because no fucking way does he miss that shot. Right. Although Stubbs, that's the other thing Stubbs did. <laughs> missed his own stupid brain. Yeah. Yeah. Gun to his head. He missed his the thing that would would explode his his vertebra. Um, that was one of the biggest unresolved questions. I went back and listened to a podcast we did with Kim Renfro, and that was one of the big unresolved questions is how the hell did Stubbs miss? Like, what is the significance of that? And this goes back to the this is all part of the plan. Like mm-hmm. every fucking yeah. and, and it's entirely possible. Anthony Hopkins shows up in the end of season five. Either he li- hopefully lives another two years. Man's getting old. Or maybe mm-hmm. Joy and Nolan had the forethought to record a five minute scene where he comes and explains this all, you know. As, uh, as but I, I don't know um, and, and again like it's still only a danger if there's no way to replace your marble if you're uh, host back up and that was the big thing in season two like when the cradle and forge got got uh, destroyed that's when it became real for the host because it's it was possible for them to, to die yeah Tyler and Dallas said so I'm a dirty apostate now welcome to the club but another life, I was a fundamentalist Christian and an occasional Sunday school teacher. And I saw a lot of Jesus imagery in Christina's storyline in this episode, and I have a bit of a theory in the end. First part, baptism. I think the bathtub scene with Teddy is supposed to be evocative of a baptism, and Teddy is playing the role of John the Baptist. In the Bible, John the Baptist is one of the first people to say who Jesus really is, and his baptism marks the beginning of Jesus' ministry. I think that scene is playing a similar function here. Of course, the title is Metanoia, and baptism and metanoia are linked. Uh, of course, metanoia is the spiritual conversion to a different way of life because of something that she experienced. Uh, in this scene, Christine is trying to commit suicide. That goes with the idea of the Apostle Paul, uh, the rights of Christians are baptized into Jesus' death. And he quotes the Bible here. You know well enough that we who are taken up into Christ by baptism have been taken up, all of us, unto his death. In our baptism, we've been buried with him, died like him. That so, just as Christ was raised up by the Father's power from the dead, we too may live and move in a new kind of existence. Interesting. Co-creator in the Bible and Christian mythology, sorry, theology, there's this idea that Jesus existed externally and that he created the world with God the Father. Now, I'm not smart enough to understand all the theology behind it, but I think it's pretty good analogy for the relationship that Christina has with Dolores and Hale. Christina existed before this world and she's co-founding it with Hale. In a literal sense, she was writing and rewriting it. And if you go back to Dolores with Arnold, it's even more like the idea that they spent yeah. this pre-creation period learning from each other and coexisting and then created literally the world together in the form of Dolores's burl. And there's a lot, a lot of, mm-hmm. I, I like what you're putting down here, Tyler. Finally, a new Adam. Here's my crumb of a theory. The apostle Paul describes Jesus as a new Adam. He's the first of a new kind of humanity. I think Hale created Christina as the first of a new kind of digital being that can interface with the real world without a body, probably through the tower. 
That's why no one can see her at the end. Bernard sees Christina in the simulation, decides that if he can't save humanity, he will save Christina from Hale and give her the choice to try to save what's left of humanity or start over as the new Adam. Uh, and he quotes in the Bible, in uh, this Adam was the type of uh, him who was to come. Only the grace which came to us was out of all proportion to the fault. If this one man's fault brought death on a whole multitude, all the more lavish was God's grace shown to a whole multitude. That free gift he made us and the grace brought by one man, Jesus Christ. This is the idea that Adam, a perfect man, fucked up and condemned us all to sin. But Jesus, a perfect man who died faithful, essentially took the place of Adam cosmically to wash away all of our sin. Mm -hmm. Honest, from the other side of the looking glass has not made as nearly as much sense as it did to me when I was a 23 year old, uh, uh, you know, whatever missionary, but evangelical. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is some good shit. I like it. I like it. I I don't know. I I think this broadly with the Pentateuch theory is kind of where they're going. Uh, symbol symbol symbology sim symbolism in terms mm-hmm. of symbolism. Sounds sounds right on. Maggie says thoughts on Ford having a role in this season or making an appearance in the finale somehow. I feel like that would be a real jaw dropper given the chaos of the last few seasons. I, I kind of spoiled this feedback five minutes ago, but what do you think? I think this show kind of needs to have him in the last season. It would it would be pretty pretty amazing. It could be, yeah. Like I said, I think in in podcast past, I, the further we get from the park, the original Westworld park, the harder it is for me to believe that this could be any kind of all part of the plan scenario. Hmm. So I I don't know. I it, to me it gets less and less likely every day, uh, every episode. But if they can recontextualize everything we've seen enough, uh, I guess I'd be on board for it. I just feel like this idea of like uh, that they use simulations to nail the hosts and that there was a lot of stuff that Arnold was doing behind the scenes that Ford had no idea. And I don't know what's to say that Arnold didn't spend a lot of time running simulations about what would happen and trying to find that one path to where his children could survive. You know, his mm-hmm. son, Charlie, died. He still has Dolores. How can I get her to survive? And then Ford picks up on that, takes up the torch, has a compliment in the forms of, of, of Stubbs and Maeve. They're kind of try to either put rails or or maybe to, to play defense for that that plan to fall out. Because like, yeah, I mean, this is just Robo Hobo. Uh, pre Robo Hobo, and if, if Robo Hobo sure. could accurately predict stuff, why couldn't Arnold with this with similar technology? Well, to me, it's because Robo Hobo was actively manipulating people, whereas Ford is dead and can't, as as best we can tell, actively manipulate. Yeah, so I see what I, you mean. I see what you mean. Just in the way that Bernard, the further he gets away from the sublime, the more maybe uncertainty he is. But like, maybe. if we're talking about slivers of chances, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, Bernard it, Bernard has done the opposite, in my opinion. He's found a way to understand. Well, I guess he is actively guiding things, right? By saying certain things, by doing certain things, he's actively guiding the path that they're on. So he is a lot like Robo Hobo. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's the thing that kills me is like the active participation in the defining the path. 
Let's move on to the two final emails, which are a little little tinged with negativity. So I wanted to, to give that mm. uh, that viewpoint space because it's definitely representative out there. Charlie says, with the season of possibly the show drawing to a close, it's time for me to finally write in something about that's that's been bugging me uh, since the first season. The show's message shines through loud and clear. The host might as well be human and what humans do to them. This new slave race that we've created is a sign of our innate sadism and brutality head held in check only by Hobbes Leviathan, be that the state robo hobo or the flies. My problem with that. I don't think these hosts are sapient. Now wait before you judge me. I know I sound like the bad guy in every robot rising up, uprising novel movie or TV series ever made, but hear me out. As a society, we've come to understand that there's a difference between fantasy and reality. What people do in an imagined or written computer game world isn't the same as what they do in the real world. Uh, You know, playing Grand Theft Auto doesn't make you a violent felon. Similarly, Mm -hmm. we obviously distinguish between animate and inanimate when it comes to our use of tools. My electric drill stops working not because it's a communist alienated from the product of its labor or because it's traumatized by the damage it's done to non-consenting concrete, but just because it's broken. Since some of the earliest fiction about intelligent machines and simulated people, therefore, we've had the need of a Turing test, a convenient bright line dividing the toaster from sapient beings. Star Trek's Data or Holographic Doctor or Battlestar Galactica Cylons fall on the human side of this line. The non-sapient holograms created every time Riker runs a sex program fall on the plaything side. Where do Westworld's hosts fall? We've shown over and over that they're video games. The programmer can adjust personality elements like virtuousness by dragging a slider across the screen. So as long as they have access to their control file, no host will ever need to be imprisoned. They only feel as much pain as they're programmed to. The traumatic memories can be erased, not through medication or electroshock or decades of therapy, but simply by deleting a file. Leaving them off for thousands of years, they'll have no idea how much time has passed. Leave them on for thousands of years and they'll keep wandering the park trying to complete their mission. Uh, for all these reasons, although they're made to look human, they're obviously non-sapient. It's completely unreasonable to treat them as non-sapient. And her uprising is to steal a line from the forgettable iRobot movie, essentially an industrial accident. Having con- covered this ground and suggesting the wrong conclusions in the first two seasons and having fumbled towards it with Robo Hobo, the show has finally arrived at an interesting philosophical dilemma, one touched on slightly by the professor you interviewed earlier in the season. Are the humans controlled by flies still sapient? For me, that depends on whether their minds are still working underneath the possession. The flies stop working, do the original personalities bounce back, or are they meat puppets with the original minds erased like other insects controlled by parasitic wasps? Wasps. Jim, are we wrong? Are, 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 are these are these are are we back to square one and these robots are just just, uh, you know, Grand Theft Auto bots run amok? I, I don't think so, personally. Um, and I think the assumption that's built into this is the definition of sapient is like tied to our experience as humans. Yes. Uh, I, I think like. You're saying because they can choose to remove parts of themselves or we could choose to remove parts of themselves that they can't possibly be sapient or I mean, they're they're clearly self-aware. I mean, it's they are, to my definition, sentient. The fact that we can't do those things to ourselves is not what defines sapient or sentient. Yeah. Or any of those things in my mind, like we're we're just inferior versions of the thing that we've created, which is 
still very much uh, sentient. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I broadly agree because like I don't know what the difference is because he's like, well, they can't change their stuff unless, you know, uh, like we can through medicine and electroshock therapy and all. But like, man, haven't you ever read like lobotomies? You stick an yeah. ice pick through someone's eye socket and wiggle it and they become a completely different person. That's uh, the thing. We can do that. If we're just incredibly inaccurate at it. Right. They have such good accuracy that they can remove individual memories if they so choose. But yeah, so can I, we just very poorly and crudely. Yeah, you hear the story that like railway worker in the late 1800s that took a spike in his brain and they turned he he was a affable and friendly guy and now he's an angry and violent person. Like that to me sounds like we're you know, it's not manipulating sliders. It's uh, it's a it's a rat running across the circuit board and just making changes willy nilly. But like in a few right. hundred years, like if you have a scanning electron microscope and an understanding of the human brain, you don't think that you could destroy a couple thousand neurons and completely change a person. And mm-hmm. why is that different than going and flipping a bunch of different jumpers on a on a robot's brain or or adjusting a slider? Um, yeah, I don't think there is any fundamental difference. I think it's just ease of access and, and ease of use there, honestly. And uh, like I said, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying, but like, I just feel like this is just a human chauvinist point of view that it's right. like defining humanity in a way that excludes any other thing that could be human. <laughs> no, and no that's true, no true sentient. Right. Fallacy. And, and, yeah. And that's also been the way we've, uh, previously enslaved our fellow thinking beings is by Absolutely. coming up with arbitrary, you know, delineations and being like, well, that person can't be uh, a real person the same as us because they got enslaved in the first place. How do you let that happen as a free man? Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot. I mean, I said there's there's tons of reasons and it's happened throughout human history, but it's all basically you got a class of people who are the ones on top. You got a class of people, the ones on the bottom. And that's just the way things are, man. If it was supposed to be different, it would be different, right? Um, so like I said, I, I, uh, I don't, I don't know how to say any more than that, Charlie, but I, I, I don't agree. And, uh, I, I welcome our robot overlords. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, one last email that we'll get out of here. Daniel J says with one episode left in the season, I'm asking myself if we weren't premature and saying that Westworld is back, baby. Season one work because generally speaking, no matter how closely you analyze it, you typically came away sensing that the writers had thought about the story way more than you had, which is how it should be. But I feel like in seasons two and three, they failed because they tipped way in the other direction. I'm starting to get that old feeling again that the writers weren't bothering to think things all the way through and that moments in the show are just being put in for the cool factor and cheap thrills. For instance, Frankie shooting Bernard in the chest last week. What was the point of that? There's a type of storytelling I think of as the Siriana factor, which I first started noticing after seeing the 2005 film of the same name. Many scenes began by began by dropping us into conversations that were already taking place with no setup or context. People in places that viewers don't know about were referred to in the dialogue. Uh, I think they may have been going for verisimilitude. Jesus Christ. For an accurate depiction of real life. (laughs) I'm on a porky pig it. But the effect on this is the audience uh, is trying to simply parse the most basic ass questions of what is happening and what am I seeing? This season's feeling very Syriana Mm -hmm. to me. We're nine out of 10 episodes in and I truly don't know the basic facts, contextual facts about some of our main characters. What's the point of watching main characters like Hale, Maeve and William die when we all know the show will just bring them back. At this point, we've already seen Hale shot in the head. Uh, 
uh, and giving a new identity with the same body, only for the showrunners to give up on that idea and just start writing her like the old human heel from season one. We've seen Maeve die in a dramatic flourish multiple times, only to somehow come back. We've seen human William killed, even had his throat slit in the post credit sting last season. I feel like this shit is just so cheap. Jim, what do you say to this pointed criticism? I say I feel you. I like storytelling that clues the audience in at every opportunity and then does interesting things with the facts we know um, and implies, you know, there's going to be some drama coming up because of facts that have developed. This show does the exact opposite in most uh, places where it keeps facts from you and it tries to hide the nature of different characters and, and, and hides what is going to be happening. It's just uh, the fundamental nature of a puzzle box show versus a character driven drama, which is what I tend to gravitate toward. Right. Um, so I feel your frustrations. I think season one got away with it a lot more because I wasn't expecting it. Season two, season three, season four now are feeling more belabored to me because I know it's coming. I know the twists are coming. Like I said, a few episodes ago, um, that one just felt, maybe I was just having a bit of, you know, annoyance with, with everything, but like that episode really struck me the wrong way because of that. So I get it, man. I, I, like I said, I, I acknowledge the truth of what, you, you you know you just said and what daniel's saying here but i also kind of want to be come back to yes characters die and they come back but it's about the process and what they learn and how that changes them you sure. know sure, sure um it's it's to me this is like saying uh when you're watching a show that has a main protagonist go through like like a a a, 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 a madman men where you see donald draper have a series of affairs with people and, and relationships with women and whatnot to be like oh god he's talking to a girl again i know where this is gonna go they're gonna fuck and then they're gonna break up well but everyone was different right and like hail coming back or like the Shaloris coming back as a hail is interesting because it tells us that that lived human experience had a profound effect on a host to where it almost overrides their 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 actual drives and the things that they want to do. Their like experiences change them. And to me, like you can easily see the various uh, sequences of these hosts lives living and dying as like Don Draper dating different people. Um, you know, what is Maeve going to sure. learn this time? What wrinkle is she's going to get? Uh, and now that, that, that Caleb's on the thing as the first kind of host we've seen go through this from a, from a point of view, what's that going to look like? And, and yeah, it's not like Jim said, it's not as tight. It's a different way to tell a story, but I struggle to think of how you could tell the story in a more convinced cause it's talking about very unconventional things, you know? Yeah. It's not as exciting and dramatic. It's, it's more cerebral and, I, I think that's fine. That is yeah. something I'm here for, but like, yeah, I, it's like, it's like, I don't know why, I get I, why everyone wouldn't like it. Why doesn't the good, why didn't the good place get this shit? 
because like it was very <laughs> similar in that like people are constantly on loops and they're not aware of it and they're having being manipulated behind the scenes and you know like it was because it's a 30 minute comedy and not this like and kind of self-serious 60 minute yeah. drama and it was just it was like, more fun in general the one is sure. obvious flaws like i think the action scene for the majority of westworld's history has been one of the flaws mm-hmm. that it hasn't done well um but I, I yeah i just come like yeah it's like if you are not bored by humans and their loops and we're very loop driven um I don't understand why life and death for these hosts. That's just another, that's just another relationship that they're going through. That's another thing yeah. that they're overcoming. It's, it's a, it's an expansion of what a human character can do, not like a reduction, which is what I feel like even people again, it's hard to find a person I respect more when it comes to television criticism and Alan Seppenwall. And he says the exact same thing. Um, sure. But it might just be that this type but of storytelling doesn't appeal to you too. Yeah, character-driven dramas are my bread and butter, but right. It, yeah, if you just don't see in this color spectrum, I get it. Yeah, that's l- a good l- way to put l- it. Yeah. L- let me say this. Uh, I, I understand the point in the episode about Frankie shooting uh, Bernard. It's to prove to everybody that he's a host, right? But right. in my opinion, Bernard should have just grabbed his shoulder and rolled around. Oh, my God, you shot me. <laughs> oh, shit, I, the pain, it's burning. Yeah. I thought the exact I, I thought the exact same thing. Like, yeah, what would what would what Frankie do then? then? Yeah. Would she continue shooting him going, you're, no, you're faking, host, stop, it. get up, and then he just pretends to be dead. <laughs> he turns his heart off and just sits there with his eyes glassy. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 No, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Um, but I appreciate, like I said, I, I understand that this show has lost people. I've seen the viewership oh, yeah. stats. I've seen her podcast listening stats. Again, we haven't taken near the hit that the show itself has. We've retained more of our core audience or maybe added to it as other shows are kind of going by the wayside as people like yourself are losing interest. But I mean, I'm not look, I'm perfectly capable of ripping shit at the height <laughs> of its popularity to our uh-huh. own detriment. Like. I gesture wildly to the bald move catalog where I've done that time and time again. Uh, I rage quit better call Saul. Apparently one of the best shows on television. (laughs) Uh, And so like, I'm not, I I hope you guys don't think that I'm saying this because I'm trying to like, you know, on the eve of game of Thrones shit coming back, I'm trying to desperately keep something going. Like, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't, I just don't give a shit. Like bald move will succeed or fail based on Mm -hmm. whether people like our ideas, not me trying to triangulate what, I think I need to say to keep a fandom on the hook. So, but uh, I just, like I said, this, I don't get these kind of vibes from many other shows Mm -hmm. and uh, I like getting my fix. So appreciate everybody sending stuff into us. I know I couldn't get to everybody because we just have a limited amount of time that we can, we can do on these. Uh, We will be back this weekend for the finale. Uh, if you want to join us on that, uh, a live after show that we throw for this, this particular party, you can do so by joining the club because uh, we'll have a live instant take and then you can join us for the instant talk. Put in your thoughts in the chat and we'll respond to them in real time. And you can uh, if that sounds like a good idea, you can go to support.baldmove.com to get this and many other premium features added to your bald move experience. Thanks for listening. Westworld at baldmove.com is, is how you get feedback. Let's see if this thing sticks to landing and hopefully gets another season this weekend. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. Thank you.